Welcome to episode 13 of the Nosebleeds. I'm Colin Martin. We have uh, Ben and Crowley. Hello. And uh, no cam today, but there is a lot going on, so we're pretty much going to get straight into it. Uh, we're towards the end of the NBA season. We're right now, as recording, the playing games are happening. Uh, Hornets Pacers playing right now. The Celtics play later. And yeah, let's just get straight into it. So for the NBA, first thing we're going to talk about is our end of the season awards. Uh, as you know, playoffs are not part of the conversation when it comes to the end of the season awards. So right now, whatever we think is kind of what stands. So let's make our final predictions. Benning, you can start. Are they predictions or are they our opinion? Let's hear our opinions. No point here in predictions. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with the uh, most improved player. I think uh, for me, we got the boy OJ, Julius Randle. Uh I don't think there's any really debate for this one. I mean, I guess I guess you could throw a couple names into the hat, but I think Julius Randle is uh, probably one of the best players this year that's improved uh, since last year. I mean, he's become an all-star, and last year everyone was clowning the Knicks for that signing. I still like the signing last year, and now uh, he's proven everyone wrong, and he's proven me right. Yeah, uh, I think... If we're talking most improved player, got to be Julius Randle. Earlier in the year, there were some talks from a guy like Christian Wood, but he got hurt. And he improved greatly, you know, just the injuries and being stuck in Houston didn't really help. But, I mean, Julius Randle went from a guy that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people hated Julius Randle. His play on the court, he was kind of a joke sometimes. But you could always saw he had that potential and he was going to kick it up. This year, I mean, Knicks are the four seed, led by him, all-star season, easily, I think. That's not a super hard choice. It was to start the year, but... Uh, so moving on to Coach of the Year. Uh, for me personally, this is kind of... I would say this race is probably the closest just because there's so many great contenders. Yeah. And I would say Thibodeau is great for the Knicks. Monty Williams, great for the Suns. So honestly, between those two guys, I think they both deserve it. I really... I don't feel too strongly about either one just because both teams have been great. Um, I think both teams, even though the Suns did a lot better this year, they were good last year and they became great. The Knicks were, I would say, okay last year and became good this year. So both kind of took the same step up, but obviously the Suns are a higher seed. So, But I still think the Knicks took a big leap too. So I would say either one of those two guys, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, for me, I got to go with Monty. Uh, I think the Suns... Uh, I mean, basically, they kind of have two head coaches out there. Chris Paul coming in. I mean, everyone always talks about his impact, but I'm one of those firm believers that it's even bigger than what the stats show. Uh, but that being said, Monty Williams, I mean, it's still a really young group of guys. People, just because they added Chris Paul, their age of their team is still really young. Their starters all in their early 20s for the most part. And Monty Williams has led that group really well. And their defensive rotations, like highlighted by a guy like Mikel Bridges, uh, he's an insane defender, one of my favorite players to watch. But Monty always finds a way to put him in the right spot. And so stuff like that is what makes him a coach of the year for me. Also, you know, one of the best teams in the league this year. Got to respect that. Uh, so moving on to the sixth man of the year. In my opinion, I would say there's two guys that this could come down to. 
both on the same team, <laughs> yep. the Utah Jazz. I think it, it kind of depends on what you prioritize more. Do you prioritize uh, Joe Ingles as a three-point shooter, or do you prioritize Jordan Clarkson as kind of an overall scorer? I would say he's more of an overall scorer than Ingles. Obviously still a great three-point shooter. Yeah. I mean, Clarkson's averaging 18 points a game off the bench, which is amazing. Yeah. And awesome. it's not like he's... Uh, not like a starter that's forced to play on the bench. I think no. he's a great guy coming off the bench. I don't think he, I mean he could be a starter, but it's not like he plays cases, yeah. he plays in a backcourt with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. You know. So he fought, his role in Utah is you got the bench unit to yourself. He kills it. So yeah, and Joe Ingles is shooting. It's always that's always been his thing. He's a yeah. shooter. Uh I'm gonna bring a different perspective into this that a lot of people are talking about, but it's not the headliners. Uh, I think Jordan Clarkson is totally deserving. So if he wins, I'm not going to be sitting here all jaded. But it also happens that one of my favorite players to ever pick up a basketball is in this race. And I'm really impressed with how he played this year. I'm going Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick Rose, that Knicks team. We talk about Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau, you know, really helped push that team. But Derrick Rose coming off the bench, he was really a leader. And he holds that whole bench unit of guys like Reggie Bullock and... Uh, Nerland started, but like Mitchell Robinson every once in a while. You know, those guys, I think Derrick Rose helps New York become a four seed more than people realize. Because Julius is great. Julius can't lead a team by himself. I really love how Derrick Rose played this year. But Clarkson and him are 1A and 1B for me. And I wouldn't be surprised if Clarkson wins it at all. So uh, moving on to rookie of the year. I think for me, got to go with the boy LaMelo Ball. Obviously, he was injured for a bit but came back, and I think the difference between this and the MVP race is that LaMelo was in first place, but Anthony Edwards and Halliburton, obviously Halliburton getting injured too, kind of knocked him out, yeah. but Edwards wasn't as good as like we saw in the MVP race when Embiid was injured. Jokic was already basically on that same tier. When LaMelo was playing and um, Edwards was also playing, LaMelo was a lot higher up than him skill-wise. So I think even with the injury and coming back, I think LaMelo's still the best rookie this year. Yeah, I, I agree that LaMelo's the best rookie this year. And I flip-flopped on this. I was about to say something, and then I completely changed my mind. I'm also going to go with LaMelo. Uh, I think Ant's second, Anthony Edwards, his second half of the season was super impressive. You can't doubt that. And he's deserving. If he wins and the reasoning is because LaMelo didn't play enough games for the voters, I understand. Yeah. And like it's understandable. But LaMelo played like the best rookie this year. He when he was in, he helped uh propel that Hornets team to a play in spot, even though they're screwing it up right now. But he was really impactful for his team. He plays like the best rookie. I even if he was injured, you know, I still think he deserves it. So uh moving on to defensive player of the year. Um, I'll let you start with this one. Yeah, so I'm going to say the one that Banning's not going to say. I'm going to go with Rudy. Uh, I was looking at some of those advanced analytics, and I know advanced analytics make a lot of not great players look amazing, but I was actually reading up on what they were, and all of his defensive efficiency and uh, his opponent's efficiency, uh, he broke every single record by a milestone. So if you're in a... Or by a mile. If you're an advanced analytics geek... Uh, you're picking Rudy Gobert and that's not usually me but his play on the court mixed with uh, those analytics push him for me that being said if I need one person to make one stop end of the world you know death beam pointing at earth you can't take Iguodala 
I'm going for, I'd take Rudy Gobert. I really think, or I, sorry, I actually wouldn't take Rudy Gobert. I misspoke. I'd take Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons could play better one-on-one -on -one defense, but Rudy Gobert, he is just a force inside. And any big man that can jump, they call a force inside. Rudy Gobert actually makes good players scared to shoot a basketball inside. And those analytics and all that stuff, I just, I think Rudy deserves it. But let's hear the other side. Yeah, the other side is uh, Ben Simmons, who, in my opinion, is the defensive player of the year. I think he's one of the only players that can guard one through five efficiently. When he guarded Luka, you could tell he picked him up at half court every single play. That's the first time, shout out Kendrick Perkins, he said the same thing today. That's the first time that I've ever seen someone really lock up Luka like that. We see Luka go in all the time doing these layups and it looks like, oh, I could go do that. The way that he makes it look so easy, but Simmons kind of locked him down. And I think Simmons has such a big impact. Obviously, Gobert's up on the stat sheet more. But you can tell when Simmons isn't in the game, the defense is not even as close to being as good. And I mean, they still have Embiid, Danny Green, and Thibault, who are, I would say, all top 25 defenders, if not higher. But I mean, Ben Simmons being the leader of the defense, he took a step back. Um, having Embiid be the leader of the offense, he just went out of his way to become a better playmaker, to pass out to those shooters, and he just took over that role of defensive leader this year and has been great and is the best defensive player in the nba no question all right underrated shot blocker too <laughs> hey you hear the opinions uh last thing we got mvp right mm -hmm. all right you want to start with this one or should i you can if you want all right so i think more than likely we're also going to disagree on this one uh we'll see though i actually don't know but uh i gotta take Jokic. uh i'm really impressed with that nuggets team even with the absence of jamal murray I think him being hurt is a bad sign for Nuggets fans. Sorry, Bobby. And just in general, it's it's a shame. He's a great player. But also him going out and the Nuggets still performing and competing at their highest really shows how important Jokic is. Because Jamal Murray is one of those guys that's a fringe all-star. He, he he's not there, but people think he will be and should be and all this stuff. But Jokic is easily the most impressive player this season. Um... You know, I, I hate to be the stats guy, but his stats are the most impressive. 26 and a half, about 11 rebounds and eight and a half assists. It, that's really, really good. And I know he's not super flashy. He doesn't even have, I mean, he gets those nice passes, but he doesn't really have these signature MVP moments. And that's why people aren't loving him. Cause you know, a guy like LeBron, he's not in the contention this year or anything, but when he wins MVP, he has those moments. He has those game winners, those big dunks, all that stuff. Curry has the big shots, you know, those fancy layups. Jokic is more of a boring MVP, honestly, but he plays the game the right way. And even though a guy like Steph Curry might be more valuable to their team, Jokic is valuable to a winning basketball team, and he has the stats to show for it. So I guess that's just my case for him. Yeah. You think I'm? You, we're going to disagree on this one? Uh, for a while we were. I don't know how it would be now. <laughs> so. You have uh, Jokic winning MVP. I think that's a definitely a good take, obviously. Uh, second best center in the league. I think if Embiid didn't get hurt, definitely have him as the MVP right now. But he did get hurt, so he's not the MVP. I think the MVP of this year is Steph Curry. He brought his team all the way up to the eighth seed. If he was not on that team, they would uh, probably have Cade Cunningham right now or about to draft him this offseason. I think you look at the 
name of the word most valuable player. Steph Curry is the most valuable player in the NBA right now. He can go on games where he takes the team and he just runs with it. He'll drop 40 points, he'll drop 50 points. I mean, we've seen him drop 60 points before. And even in some of those games, they still lose because honestly, before, I would say the first half of the season, the team was so bad, but then some of the players got okay. So that kind of helped him out a little bit. But I think this is kind of the first time because I usually take the best offensive player and probably defensive. Like we usually have Giannis last year who was just so good on both ends that it was kind of hard not to pick him. But I think this is the first time where I'm really picking the most valuable player because most of the time we just pick the best player. But I honestly think Steph Curry should be the MVP. But not taking anything away from Jokic because I think he'll definitely win it. And I think he's definitely deserving of it. Yeah, uh, the one thing I want to say about Curry, Curry is insane. I wouldn't be upset at all, but I think just looking at the history of the award, it doesn't always go to the most valuable player or else as much as I hate and I make jokes and I complain, LeBron would have won it for like 10 straight years. They just don't, I think, I just don't think they vote that way. And I remember they, the last time they did it, Steve Nash won too. And people were crying over Kobe. Kobe's my favorite basketball player ever. And I know Steve Nash, you know, he had a good case in both of those, yeah. you know? So I don't know. Like, I think in this case, people like Curry so much, they don't mind. Yeah. But if they actually voted for the most valuable player every year, I think NBA fans would be pretty upset. They might switch up this year. I think the NBA would be a lot more, I don't know. I think the league itself would get a lot more talk if Curry won it instead. Because, I mean, let's be honest, even when they suck, there's more Warriors fans than Nuggets fans. That's just how it is. And around the league, when people have favorite players that aren't on their team, more often it's Curry than Jokic. Jokic is my favorite player that's not on my team that's any good, really. That's rare. <laughs> not a lot of people say that. You know, but I think just statistically and game-wise... I take Jokic, but I have Curry as my number two. I'm not going to act like he doesn't deserve it either. If I were to put a bet on any of these races, I would probably bet my money that Jokic is going to win the MVP. I wouldn't be surprised if Steph Curry doesn't get a single vote either. I, would, I wouldn't be oh, surprised no if way. Chris Paul gets more votes than Steph Curry. I, I also saw a graphic I, today. I disagree with that. I don't think so. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I'm also basing that off the... Are we talking info that I saw today? Are so. we talking first place votes or overall votes? Overall votes. Overall votes. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think Curry's gonna get more than Chris Paul. That would be crazy though. Chris Paul is also he's not in my top three or anything, but he's yeah. Well, I'm also saying that Steph Curry's gonna get zero and Chris Paul might get one. So that's, you think he's not gonna get a single first, second, or third place vote? I don't know. I we'll totally disagree. Oh, and you think Chris Paul's just gonna get like one third? Yeah. I see what you're saying, but I disagree. I think a guy like Giannis will probably get more than both of those, yeah. honestly. But I think you'll I probably think... see Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid all get votes. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, anyways, uh, those go our awards, but let's talk about the play-in slash playoff that's happening right now. So the play-in tournament, we'll just talk, touch on it quick because, I mean, by the time this episode is out, which is tomorrow, we're recording this on a Tuesday, uh, the game, the first two are going to be done. Yeah. So right now we have the Hornets and the Pacers going on. The Pacers are obliterating the Hornets. Are uh, yeah, yes. they're up by a lot. So I really think this, we're gonna see the Pacers win. I think it's more than likely. And then later tonight we have the Celtics Wizards. So how it works? 
if the Celtics win, the Wizards have to play the Pacers, and that team's the eighth seed. Celtics are the seventh seed. And if the Wizards win, they're the seventh seed. Celtics got to play the Pacers. I think I'll just say it now. If it ends up not being that way, so be it. So, I mean, how do we feel about the matchup? It's kind of late to talk about Indiana right now, but Celtics Wizards, we're, you know, we're saying this before the game, so you'll be able to see when you listen to the episode if we're right or not. Yeah. So, in my opinion, I mean, we were talking about this before. I think the Celtics are probably going to run away with it. Um, The thing is, though, it depends on what Celtics team we get because there's two versions of the Celtics. Um, There's the team that looks like... uh, the Red Claws, which is their G League team, if anyone didn't know that. <laughs> and then there's also the version that looks like last year when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And even without Jalen Brown, they still have talent around them. I mean, they have guys like Kemba, who obviously we make fun of all the time, even though... He's uh, he's kicked it up the last few yeah. weeks of the season. He played up to the jokes for a while, but these last couple weeks of the season, he's scoring 25-30 pretty much every game and playing decent defense. I think at this point, though, the thing with the Celtics is, honestly, I think the Pacers are going to be a harder matchup than the Wizards. I think this Pacers team is really good, and they started to get really good um, at right at the perfect time. Obviously not going to get too far, but I think they could definitely make some noise in the first round. Like If they're a seventh seed, I think they have a the best chance out of the bottom four seeds to do anything to the Nets. Yeah, I give I give props to the Pacers. Uh, their coach, his name is Nate Bajorkin. I think you can try to spell it. There's like, yeah. Anyways, he made some really good rotations and uh, a couple signings at the end of the year. I don't think he's in charge of the signings, but the GM did well then because they picked up O'Shea Brissett, who's been hanging around. He went to Syracuse. He played on the Raptors for a little. Anyways, he's... Yeah wasn't all that in the nba they picked him up and he's played amazing off their bench like legit he fits in indiana so well and then there's always the guys like sabonis sabonis has his off nights but he overall is a plus player obviously he's really good so indiana they have a lot of talent uh boston boston scares me against the wizards a little more than most people uh, you know, I'm a Celtics fan. I watch almost all the games. I don't love the matchup with the Wizards. Only for the fact that the Celtics, every time we play them, it seems like Bradley Beal is a little quieter than usual. But a lot of those props go to Jalen Brown. I know Marcus Smart can play good defense, but it always seems like it's Jalen Brown and his height and his quickness that stops Bradley Beal. And Marcus Smart, he's about the same size as Beal, if not a little shorter. And I just, I don't know. Marcus Smart's going to have to guard the backcourt tonight. But with Russ playing so well, I don't think he'll be able to handle Russ and Beal. I think one or the other. And then when it comes to that, do you have Tatum guarding Russ? On play on plays for sure, but throughout the game, I'm not, not too confident because, you know, Kemba. So I think a lot of tonight's game comes down to specifically Kemba Walker's defense. And that's not something he's ever been strong in. So I don't know if I expect too much. Uh, I really I hope they win. I really think they could win. A lot of that is going to come down to guys like Kemba and Marcus Smart. The backcourt is going to be a big focus, which shouldn't be surprising because the Wizards' two best players are in the backcourt. It's going to be interesting, but I agree with that Indiana take. Indiana, as the lowest seed out of all of these guys, is probably the scariest to a team like Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, the hot take so far from this whole podcast, Colin saying that 
Kemba's better than Russell Westbrook. We will see what happens yeah, tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. You know, people don't watch or they don't listen to every episode, so that's Cap. We just had to bring I that said, back up, guys. Yeah, no. That's Cap. Uh, and he wouldn't have said anything about it if me and Cam didn't say anything. That is not true. I was bugging out after I said that. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's basically the wrap of the play-in. Uh, next episode, it will all be figured out, obviously. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about the first-round matchups. Uh, I guess we can only really talk about yeah, the uh, three and six and four and five at this point. Yeah, let's talk about the ones that are decided. So first one we have written down here is the Bucks versus the Heat. A lot of people like this matchup. Last year, the Bucks were the favorites. Obviously, is the higher seed. Uh, Miami Heat came in and really handled business really well. Giannis did not look like himself. <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh that's staying in but Giannis did not look like himself at all and it was noticeable for sure and jimmy butler played great bam really showed in those playoffs how strong he can be as a starting center and Drogic played amazing but this year uh, i'll let you start banning like do you think it's going to be the same story or what are we seeing here i think this one's kind of hard to uh predict i think I mean, it's almost like the same thing with the Celtics. It's the Bucks are one of those teams that they're either going to play really good and smother, because I think their team this year, from the games that I've watched, their defense has, I mean, obviously they had a good defense last year, but they've been able to contain teams very well this year. I mean, when we saw them play against the Nets, they contained them, even though Kevin Durant kind of went off, they kind of held uh, Kyrie down a little bit because KD went off. They really, they like to target one player and kind of let the other players do well. So like, especially with a team like the Heat, if they try to stop Jimmy Butler, uh, we'll have to see what happens if Bam can hold it down and all the other shooters. So they're really good at that. I mean, isolating their opponent star player. So it kind of, we'll just see how that works. And I mean, the Heat, I don't think they're as good as they were last year, obviously. Um, but I still think they're a good team. It's not like they got any worse, I guess. They're just, we'll see what happens. Because last year, I mean, they're kind of in the same spot they are right now. So we just have to see how bad they really want it. Well, I mean, and we know Jimmy Butler will yeah. go off if he has to. Well, in my opinion, the Heat's uh, two most impactful players are aging. And I know, in my opinion, Bam's the best player on their team. But I think Jimmy and Goron are the two most important. Because when they play well, the team's unstoppable. But I was talking to Banning about this a little earlier in the day, but I don't see it being the same as last year. I think Milwaukee's got this. I think the addition of Drew Holiday, and I was talking to Banning about how important Bobby Portis is to that team earlier. Uh, those two guys, along with the growth and development of a lot of the other guys, really the only thing stopping them is Middleton. I like Chris Middleton a lot. He can't choke. Yeah. If he plays up to that fringe all-star level, I've used that term twice today, that we know he can stay up to throughout the regular season, that Bucks team is looking at a championship, not just beating the Heat. But that's a big if that has been a no in pretty much the last three playoffs. So I don't know. I don't really, I don't really think Middleton needs to do big things, but he's gonna need to get like 19, 20, or else per game. Yeah, or else that I don't know. That Bucks team is weird. I hope they can play up to it because for whatever reason, I root for those guys. I like a lot of guys on that Bucks team. Yeah. And yeah, and I hate the Heat just as a Celtics fan. But, you know, they're a really good team. If the guys, if Robinson and Hero hit their shots, I, I can see Milwaukee struggling for sure. That's a tough one. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm kind of on the opposite side. I like the Heat, but yeah. I hate the Bucks. But I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I think right now, prediction-wise, I would say Bucks in five, but I could definitely see the Heat taking them to six. Yeah, uh, I guess I got to be kind of bold here. I'm going to uh, say Middleton holds it down, Bucks in four I, sweep, which shouldn't happen. I think the Heat should hold their own, but yeah. I'm going to call it. Uh, next one, the Knicks versus the Hawks. Another, I don't know, tough for some. Some call it easy. Uh, the Knicks, they're a red-hot team, but don't discount Atlanta. Atlanta has also been on a roll. And what? Well, we uh, we were talking about this on one of our first episodes. Uh, Cam said in the first round, if the Hawks play the Nets, the Hawks are going to win. So this is uh, this is Cam's series right here. He said this three months ago, and somehow uh, the fate of the universe uh, happened. So if the Hawks beat the Nets, then... What, so uh, they got to beat the Knicks and then beat the next, the Nets next round? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sh- now that Cam remembers that, you know, he'll be rooting for him. But that Hawks team, you know, people don't like how Trey Young plays. We talk about that all the time when we mention this Hawks team. But it's a good Hawks team around them. Guys like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, you know... They're not taking that superstar trajectory like some thought, but they fit into that team really well. Clint Capella's had one of the most underrated defensive years. Uh, if this year wasn't so strong with really good defensive centers, he'd make an all-defensive team. He's really good at that. You know, Trey Young can score. Kevin Herter has had a good year, you know, a, a pretty average year for him, but that's what he does. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good team. We talk about the Knicks a lot. Julius, Derek, RJ's had an amazing year. Uh, Nerland's Noel, another great defending center. So, I mean, I'll just, I'll lead off with this one. I think the Knicks are going to win. You see a lot of people on Instagram, on Twitter, Knicks and four, Knicks and four. They think this is the easiest matchup. I'm taking the Knicks in like, Knicks in like seven almost, because that Atlanta team is underrated to me. I don't know. I don't see them beating the Knicks. I see the Knicks having that dog in them and that passion to win, but people are just counting Atlanta out. And I think that does them a favor. I don't think if Atlanta was walking in as the favorite, I don't know if I like that, but you know, I think Atlanta, they have a real shot. I don't know. I I kind of like what's going on over there. How do you feel? I feel uh Nixon four. <laughs> I think the this Hawks team is um I still think they're pretty terrible. I think obviously they're a six seed. I just don't see them doing anything. I mean I see Trey Young dropping thirty points a night and the rest of the team just standing around and not doing anything. And I think the Knicks team is very good this year. Don't hit on my boys. They're a five seed. Let's relax. Oh, five seed. Cool. Let's come on. Come on. Same thing. (laughs) I don't know how they got to the five seed, but um, I guess they did somehow. Easy schedule. Uh, They they beat the team they're supposed to beat, which you can't say about most good teams. I mean, every game that I watched from the Knicks this year, which was, uh, I would say, I think three. They probably played the Sixers three times. Those were great games. They held them, um, and they were all very close games one of them went into overtime and for the Knicks to be able to compete with the Sixers even though Embiid was out for some of the games I think that they'll easily win this series 4-0 yeah hey fair enough I think it go either way I mean I'm taking them in a lot a lot tougher of a series but I think the Knicks I think the Knicks come out on top uh yeah then Nuggets Blazers uh talking you know one of my friends, Nuggets fan, I mention him all the time. Once again, shout out Bobby. But uh, he was talking to me. He was hoping and praying that they did not have to play Portland in the first round. Uh, the matchup is tough. The Denver Nuggets play like the better team. There's no, there's a reason there's a higher seed. They play better. 
But, I mean, one thing that he was worried about and that I understand is that Damian Lillard matchup. Who's guarding him? Because yeah. their starting point guards is Compazzo right now. And Monte comes off the bench. Monte's better, but he fits off that bench role more. Both of those guys are known for being short, quick, and offensive-minded. Who is stopping Damian Lillard? That's what... It's really, can you outscore the Blazers? And that's what this series comes down to. You can start with your prediction, but I have my own. No, you can keep going. You're you're on a roll, yeah. All right, well, honestly, I I think they can. And I almost never say that because I love defense in the NBA. It's one of those things I always talk about. I think just like who's going to guard Dame, who's going to guard Jokic? Uh, That Portland team, I, I like Nurkic. He's all right. He can't stop Jokic. Absolutely not. Jokic will destroy Nurkic, in my opinion. Jeez, I'm going to like get tongue-tied. But also Michael Porter Jr., his progression has kick-started. He started really slow, came back from that injury. As expected, rough. It was, it was tough to watch him for a while. He has picked it up, and I really think in these playoffs, he's a guy that jumps his points per game average by five or more. I really think he's built for this stuff. He didn't have a great opportunity to show it at Missouri. They didn't make the playoffs. He was hurt. I really think he's a guy that can show it in the playoffs. And that's based on pure just what I think of the guy. I could be completely wrong, but I think knowing that he's got to help out Jokic a little, really help him. And those matchups, he's got Covington that's probably going to have to guard him a little, which is tough. But I really think his interior game and the way he plays basketball, I think it can help. And I like those two against uh, Portland. I'd take Denver in six. Who's going to stop Dame? Uh, hot take here, no one. Blazers <laughs> are going to win this series in six games. Um, I think Dame has something to prove, and I think he's going to go out there. Um, and this is really, I think this will be one of the shining moments of his career right here. Uh, he has a really good opportunity, like you were saying. If there's any team that could probably knock off the Nuggets right now, I think the Blazers are one of those teams. Obviously, the Nuggets had a great year. They're always very good in the regular season, but then we kind of see how good they are actually in the playoffs. It seems like, I mean, every year they've been a top three seed for the past, what, five years, maybe more? Yeah. Uh, But it seems like whenever they get to the playoffs, there's just always a team that's better than them, which playing in the West, it seems like it's always the Lakers or another higher, uh, sometimes the Clippers, but it depends on the year, especially when the Clippers... uh, lost a few games the clippers were supposed to play against the blazers in this series but uh that rock is tough for them dropped a couple games because they wanted to avoid the lakers i don't know if that's actually true or not but uh obviously we'll never know but my hot take of the playoffs right now is the uh blazers beating the nuggets in six games dame gonna average probably close to 40 points each game (laughs) and his boy is uh in the backcourt CJ? Yeah, the yeah. boy CJ. He's going to also show out, averaging 20 points. Yeah. Hey, I like it. It's always better when we disagree or else these episodes get really boring. Uh, I don't know if we're going to disagree on this one. Last one I want to talk about, Clippers Mavericks. Uh, I'm going to keep it kind of short because I feel that's how this series will go. Uh, Luka, he's great, obviously. One of the best players in the league. Porzingis, I mean, depends on the day. But the Clippers, Kawhi, PG, playoff time. I'm typing Clippers. Playoff P. Yeah. <laughs> he's not known for his playoff thing. Like, I don't know. He's not ever. known for his performance ever. Yeah. But I'm taking Clippers in five. Yeah. I also have the Clippers in five. I think, um, obviously, the Mavericks with Luka. Luka can steal a game easily, yeah. especially at home. Um, 
in Texas, so there have been fans there. Yeah, yeah. They'll probably be jam packed. Probably have thirty thousand people in there. <laughs> Not a mask in sight person stadium they're gonna be doing covid shots at the front door and they're just gonna cut the line you know what i'm saying i wouldn't be surprised though if the mavs can squeeze out an extra game too yeah obviously if they can squeeze out uh two home wins but i mean i think the clippers ultimately take the series i will also take them in five i'll get real specific about it i think it's a gentleman's sweep i think clippers go up 3-0 mavs take a game they win 4-1 yeah. that's how i feel uh yeah those nba uh I don't know, those, these playoffs are good this year. I think people aren't talking about it enough because it's a weird season and people hate the play-in and stuff like that, but these matchups are good. This is the type of stuff I wanted to see going in, and I'm excited for it. Injuries are a shame, especially the Jamal Murray injury. That completely changes my thoughts on the Nuggets because I, if they the Nuggets have Jamal Murray right now, I know you might still roll with Blazers. I'm still taking Nuggets in the finals, if that's the case, because, you know, he's not... The best player in the league or anything but he fits that nuggets team so well along with Jokic. it just takes pressure off Jokic, if anything yeah also I, yeah i think uh this year the playoffs are going to be great because i would say arguably you have at least three contenders from each division from the east you have the sixers nets and bucks i think all three of those teams could definitely make the finals and win yeah and i mean since lebron has left the east it's opened the east up so much more when he was there i mean there was always a team there was oh the celtics might get him this year some the bucks might get him this year but he made it out every single time as we saw also one thing i want to say about the east lebron left and that totally changes the east but the east got better people forget that the east got way better that sixers team picked it up Giannis became the guy he is now brooklyn forms a super team and a year that's not as awful as this one boston's always up there you know what i'm saying so i mean like those guys are great, and I'll touch on what you were saying. Out West, also, there's guys that can compete. There's Utah and Phoenix, who are kind of new to this thing since a long time ago. Then there's the two LA teams, and even though the Lakers are low right now and they're in that playoff uh, play-in talk, you have LeBron. You have so LeBron and, and AD. Anthony Davis. Those are two of the top top ten. I, I could get a lot thinner than that, but at least top ten players in the league. And then you have teams like Denver, where they're losing Jamal, but they're a team that always competes against good competition well. It's just, can they pull it off in the playoffs? And they're sneaky teams. I think Portland and Dallas are both sneaky teams. You both have teams that have that one star that can go off, and then they also have that co-star. Depending on how good they do, that will really... And I believe for both of them, the co-star matters more. Yeah. And it's just, I trust Portland more because their co-star is better. That's really the only difference for me. And I mean, if we were looking at this three years ago, uh, if we saw the Mavericks going into this year three years ago with Luka and Porzingis... Yeah, how we thought Porzingis would uh, get better, even though he hasn't really got better. Whether that's due to injuries or just him not progressing, got to be both. Yeah. My opinion. That's I think they still. I mean, we talked about it last episode. I think they still need another guy there, or they either need to get rid of Porzingis, or they need to get another guy there. Yeah, I think Porzingis can still fit in, but I mean, he's. I think you just got to live with the fact he's not a superstar. Yeah. That's the only thing. And I, I think, think they're not past that point yet. They still have him as a star. And, yeah. yeah, you just got to realize he's an above average center slash power forward. Uh, yeah, so I guess that'll end our NBA talk. Uh, I'm super excited. And we got a Celtics fan whose team is uh, holding on for dear life and a Sixers fan who's chilling good, figuring out who they're playing in the first round. Yep. And, uh, first time in a while that the rules have been like yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Last year, the Sixers uh, got swept by the Celtics. So we'll see what happens this year. But uh, just before we wrap this up, 
NBA Finals prediction right now before the playoffs start. I think mine, gonna stick with mine from, I mean, the past couple months has been the same, but I'm sticking with the Sixers and the Clippers. I do think the team with the second best odds in the West, though, uh, I still think the Lakers. Obviously, they're a seventh seed. I just can't count them out at all. I mean, especially with the bracket they have. If they end up playing the Suns in the first round, I know the Suns are a good team, but they're inexperienced in the playoffs against LeBron. And then they go in and play either the Blazers or the Nuggets or the Jazz. And in the uh, East, that one's, I would say, closer. I think the Nets and the Bucks are both great teams. But I think it really depends on how well the Nets fit together. But honestly, I think the Bucks are... I would have them over the Nets in the finals. Yeah, I'm going to slightly change my prediction. Uh, for the longest time, I was Nets-Nuggets for a while. Uh, and I had the Clippers in the back seat. I'd always mention them. I'd say those are always the guys that could be, could be. And I think we've talked about it once where I picked the Clippers since yeah. the Jamal Murray injury. So I guess in that sense, I'm sticking with the Clippers. I, I agree with you there. Uh, people don't talk about them as much and just because they're the Lakers' little brother, basically. But... I just I trust Kawhi a lot and I know the new trend recently is saying that he's overrated I don't know where that came from one of my favorite youtubers to watch that talks NBA always says that and like I couldn't disagree more Uh, people undervalue defense and I'm always this defense 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 guy when it comes to the NBA but I really feel just because people don't talk about Kawhi's defense anymore people think it sucks when it's still just as good as it was Anyways, trust that Clippers team, and I'm going to stick with the Nets. Uh, It's boring, but I think the Nets built a super team, and I think they will act as a super team. And if they lose, that's embarrassing for them. And I just have a lot of faith in James Harden as a player. And, I mean, as one should. I mean, technically from the outside looking in, you should think the Nets are the favorite, but it's about the way they play. So that's why teams like Philly and Milwaukee are tough i those three are literally one a b and c for me there's no doubt that those three are the ones that are going to make it to me it would be awesome to see the celtics make a run but you know yeah i'm I'm tired of being that optimistic anymore i hope they make the playoffs and knock off brooklyn though i'd rather be wrong and have the celtics win you know shout out the boys though sixers the process this is uh where we're at now yeah yeah, shout out Philly. I mean, it's finally, you're seeing it pay off. And if they make it to the finals and if they win this year, man, that will feel good. <laughs> shout out Philly. Uh, anyways, yeah, let's move on to the NFL. Uh, so we're past this offseason point. People are talking about, you no, know, we're working about starters and new numbers and like schemes and stuff like that. We're really focused finally on the nitty gritty of the NFL season. But we're... Still going to hold on to this rookie trend because this is the thing me and Banning know the most about. And uh, we're just going to talk about who we think are the most, who will be the most impactful rookies this year. Uh, Three from the offense, three from the defense. We can just stick it to one. You just want to do one or you want to do three? Yeah, we can just do one. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, are we calling these our predictions for offense and defense rookie of the year? Or are we just saying impact? I would say... I would say impact because yeah. I would say the awards are a lot more political. Yeah. So well, let's just talk about straight impact, which obviously too early for awards, but let's just, you know, let's get it as basic as we can. Uh, you want to start or me? I don't care either way. It's up to you. You can start if you want. 
All right, so I'll go with offense, then Banning will go offense, defense, defense. We'll do it that way. Uh, so my pick for the offense, uh, it's the most boring pick. Uh, I got Trevor Lawrence. I think it's obvious. Uh, Gardner Minshew, he really wasn't that bad, but you're going to see what a top-class talent quarterback can do in your system. And I like Urban Meyer. I love the receivers that Trevor Lawrence has around him. And the running game, I mean, you got Robinson, you got ETN, who's also taking snaps at receiver. But Trevor Lawrence is in a good... I like that O-line, too. I really do like everything about that Jacksonville offense. Shout out LaVisca Chanel. Shout out LaVisca. Breakout I, season this year. Man, I agree. Uh, anyways, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, he's a stud quarterback. Everyone knows it. And although he has this big bust potential, that's only because he's so hyped up. It has nothing to do with his skill. His skill shows that he's ready, and I think he'll prove it. And, you know, yeah, I guess that's as simple as that. It's a boring pick, but I believe it's Trevor Lawrence for sure, dude. Um, I agree with you, but I'll go in a different direction just to make it more interesting. I have um, Kyle Pitts. I know we talked about it a little bit last episode, but I think Kyle Pitts will be a great addition to that offense. I think him and a guy like Jalen Waddle, both of those guys are going to go into offenses that um, they've been... They used to be, I would say, good offenses, but they've kind of been struggling a little bit over the years, obviously, with Miami kind of losing some of their players and they haven't really had a number one receiver that's been like really good since they lost uh the boy jarvis landry shout out him <laughs> yeah uh, but i mean kind of the same thing with the falcons obviously julio jones might be leaving he might not be but whether he's leaving or not he's been getting worse every single season he's been regressing and as much as people don't really talk about it as much because it's julio jones so obviously people still say he's one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, I mean, he's still obviously a top five receiver in the league, but he has not been able to find the end zone at all in the past two seasons. So for a guy like Kyle Pitts to come in, who honestly, if they wanted to, they could only bring him in when they're in the red zone and just throw to him and <laughs> yeah. he would still end up with like 15 touchdowns as a tight end. Yeah. I don't think he'll win offensive rookie of the year. I think he'll have a good shot. Obviously, I think Trevor Lawrence is the favorite just because he's going to go into that team and he's going to run up the numbers. Uh, I think Justin Herbert's numbers from last year, they were good, obviously. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to shatter them just because he's going to play every single game. And we're talking about the guy that has the rookie touchdown record, too. Yeah. But now you agree. Yeah. Well, and he's going to go in there, probably throw 40 touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, big year coming for Lawrence, which is the reason he goes number one. No shock. Uh, yeah, I mean, I also agree with Pitts is a great choice. He's my favorite player in the draft. Yeah, another sneaky yeah. guy, though, Najee Harris. I think he'll have yeah. a big impact. When you're a starting running back on a yeah. team that runs the ball as much as Pittsburgh does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, defense. Uh, I'm not going to do this boring pick stuff anymore. Not the first defensive player taken or anything. Uh, problem with corners in their first year, they usually suck. Yeah. And that's why the ones that don't are highlighted so much. So this takes me away from picking a corner. So I'm going to take an edge rusher that I think will have the most impact. And I'm going to go Jalen Phillips in Miami. Uh, he stays in Miami. Obviously went to the U. Uh, shout out to Wendell Rock Johnson. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, I just think he is one of the most talented edge rushers. His problem is injuries. And I don't predict injuries. I, I don't do it. I'll admit when someone has a history and I'll notice it's a problem. But, you know, I'm assuming this guy plays all 17 games. And I'm assuming he plays well. I'm assuming he gets to the passer. And I think in the NFL, he's going to rack up those sack totals. 
I don't think he's going to be the best ever. I think a lot of these rookies on the defensive side will take some time to develop. But that Miami defense, Brian Flores sends those guys off the edge. And that's why you see Miami edge rushers, you know, they go there and they play a lot better than the linebackers. And that's just because he really does focus on sending that edge. And I like Jalen Phillips there. I think he's staying, he's staying in a place that's familiar to him. I think it's going to fit well on that defense. And, you know, I hope I'm right. <laughs> I, re- I really do like that fit. That Miami team being in, I would say, probably one of the least competitive divisions yeah. um, over the past 20 years just because the Patriots were so good and there was no one really close. Uh, we saw, obviously, the Jets make it to the AFC Championship back-to-back years with the, the boy Sanchez. Uh, I still don't understand how that happened. The Sanchez. But uh, that was an interesting time. And now the bill is kind of coming up. But now, since Tom Brady's left that division, it's opened up a little bit more just because um, the Patriots, everyone keeps saying they always kind of have a chance. I think uh, if Bill Belichick wasn't there, if you took that same exact team and put like a different label on them, like if you had that same exact team, put them in Jacksonville, no one would even say they're contenders. Yeah. But I think it's just because they are the Patriots, and then you have Bill Belichick. Everyone always labels them as contenders. Yeah. Zach Wilson going into New York. Um, obviously, people are going to talk about that too. But that Miami team has a really good chance this year. They were, I would say, they're a really good team last year. They just had some struggles, kind of. I say Flores. I don't think he was awful in the crunch time, but he definitely could improve a little bit. And they're kind of put in. They also had a very tough schedule last year. I mean, some of the games yeah. they were playing were kind of tough. So I think this year they could definitely make some noise. Obviously, I don't think they'll beat out the Bills for the first seed, but they could definitely make it in, especially with those uh, seven seeds now. Yeah, I know nobody does wild card locks or anything. Yeah, I think but they're, I, they're as close as a lock for the wild card yeah. I've ever seen because they're a playoff team, absolutely. But they're in a division where. I think there's absolutely a team better than them. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I think both the Bills and the Dolphins succeed. I think the Patriots are mid, and the Jets suck. That's my very early prediction on the AFC East. But continue defense. Yeah. So for my uh, prediction for the defense, looking through the list of guys, obviously you have guys like Micah Parsons, uh, Awusu Koromoa, who are both great linebackers, but they're going on to a team where the defense, both defenses, are already so good. So I don't think they'll. I'm kind of looking at this, especially defensive-wise, like offensive-wise, you get a quarterback in, obviously he's going to have a very big impact. It's really hard, like last year we saw Justin Jefferson compete with Justin Herbert just because he was so good and made the offense so good just because, I mean, he made Kirk Cousins look good. Um, Some people might disagree and say Kirk Cousins still look terrible. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with you either because Kirk Cousins isn't my favorite. Um, but I think both of those guys are going into a defense that's already good. So my pick is uh, Aziz Ojolari. I know he <laughs> plays for the Giants, and I'm a Giants fan, but he's really one of those guys that is going to go in from day one. He's going to get played a lot because they he's going into a spot where they need someone there badly, um, especially on that outside and the Giants have really always strived when they've had that outside guy. I mean, when they had Lawrence Taylor, when they had uh, Michael Strahan, it just great guys on the edge. So hopefully he can uh, live up to both of those guys. I don't think he will. I don't think he'll be one of the best defensive players of all time because both of those guys, I would say, are in the conversation. But as long as he's very good, then that's fine with me. 
Yeah, uh, so many rookies. We talk. I mean, I think we're gonna do this every year where we're gonna be like, oh, the rookies are gonna be great. But yeah. I mean, as this is the first draft I think of ever taking a really deep dive into outside of the first round, there's a lot of guys that are gonna step in and be really impressive. Yeah. And in the top three, we've talked about it before, there's gonna be a guy that we don't mention that's gonna land in that top three. Just based on how this undrafted six round, something like that. I think another sneaky guy though, I was saying this before, offensively, I think Terrence Marshall is going to do great this year. Carolina, Very right? underrated receiver, yep. yep. And um, on the opposite side of the ball, Asante Samuel Jr., great guy too. I think both of those guys will definitely make some noise. And Samuel also went to the... Uh... Went to the Chargers. Oh, he went to the Chargers, okay. Yeah, he's one of the... Funny part, I talk about guys not being ready. I think he might be the most NFL-ready corner in the whole draft, maybe outside of Sertan. But he's just small. Yeah. So, I mean, if he can use his frame effectively, I mean, I agree. I like Mo Rig, too. Just a random throw in there. Yeah. I like I like him in Vegas. Still don't understand how he was, what was he, the second or third? He I was, think he was the third safety taken. He went after uh, Holland, but I don't know if he went after anyone else. Still crazy to me. Yeah. I think he was a first-round talent. I also think Javon Holland would be good. I like those safeties yeah. in general. Not super deep class, but I like them all. Uh, yeah, let's talk about more of a a broader thing about this whole season that we're going into for the first time ever it's going to be a 17 game season let's just I, i'll start on this one how we feel how we feeling that's really what we wrote uh i'm just gonna say i don't mind seeing more games i'm a football fan you know you can't i can't be mad about seeing more nfl football what i don't like is how in history for the longest time since records mattered 16 and it's just you're going to see a lot of current guys break a lot of records and that's good for NFL viewership and that gets people talking, but it kind of diminishes a guy like Peyton Manning is known to have the best quarterback season of all time. I'm a Pats fan. Yeah. I'll say I'm also a Tennessee fan, but I'll say it with my whole heart, you know, easily probably the, I'll say the best quarterback season of all time, but now a guy gets a whole extra game on him and that's, you know, the guy has a good game. That's especially a guy like Mahomes. Yeah, if a guy like Mahomes, if he stays healthy all year, that gives Mahomes like a 300-yard, three-touchdown bumper. Yeah, and that. that's just a good game. No, he, I'm, I'm just saying he has yeah. a good game. He could do way more. But let's just say that's a good game for Mahomes. Yeah, that's a huge amount to give a guy, and I'm not. It's not just given to these players. Obviously, they still have to earn, go out there and earn it and all that sort of stuff. But like. That extra game means a lot in the stats department, and whether I admit it or not, big stats guy in sports, that's my thing. So, I mean, it's it's gonna be weird. A guy like Derrick Henry will crush rushing records. It's just, I a lot of people that are fans of the game and love the old school, love all that stuff, a lot of their favorite players are gonna get buried in the record books by these guys, and it's not even because of talent at that point, it's because of the new rules. That being said, as a fan, you know, I love watching football and you know, getting to see the Pats and all these other teams get an extra game. You know, it's going to be fun. But I I think it was an ill-advised decision based on the NFL's love for viewership, which they're a company, I get it, but, you know, it's really, it's made fan bases jaded in a way. But you can speak on that too. So. I mean, the way that I look at this, most of the time, I'm always... For the players, I always like when the players kind of have an input in things. When they, obviously the players are gonna make more money now. I think it's great to see the game evolve, 
but the same thing in the NBA with the play-in tournament. Why change something that's been working so well? Why do you add a seventh seed in the, the playoffs? Why do you make another game in the schedule when everything's been working? I, I don't know the exact year that they changed it, but I think it was 70s, 80s when they changed it to 16 games. And yeah. it's been working so well, so I don't really understand I mean, I do understand why, obviously money-wise, but just it doesn't make too much sense to me just looking at it. And the same thing with the numbers. There's, I get why they change it just to make the league more fresh and to make it more exciting, I guess, but they're making the league longer than it should be. I think 16 games is perfect, but now there's games that are going to be at like the middle of January where they're playing a regular season game, which most of the games won't even matter because yeah. the seeds will already be locked up. Like the Chiefs will be playing in the middle of January. And I mean, there's no point in that. Why make it longer than it should be? Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. Uh, another note we have down, will Julio get traded? Uh, that's just a big overarching theme. Uh, I'm going to bring a little uh, opposition to what Banning was saying. I still think Julio is... I know you weren't saying he's not one of the better receivers in the league. I still think he's up there. He has problems in the end zone. And I think a lot of that is uh, the fault of Matt Ryan. <laughs> he, he just won't target him in the end zone. And also teams, they realize, oh shit, Julio's in the end zone. Let's double team... Let's yeah. legit double team him. So I still think Julio, you know, he's if you trade for him, you're getting one of the best receivers in the league, and I think he'll play that way. But do I think he'll get traded? Honestly, whole heart, no. I don't. We hear this every year. Julio's getting traded. Julio's getting traded. What teams are looking for him? And I don't see it this year. I, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think Julio will be in a Falcons jersey when it's all said and done at the start of this regular season. But, yeah, I want to hear what you think on that. Yeah, um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens just because Julio Jones is a legend in Atlanta at this point in his career. Um, he's had a great career there on a team where I wouldn't say they wasted his prime. I mean, it's definitely not as bad as a guy like Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Obviously, they made the Super Bowl. They should have won that Super Bowl. He, Julio Jones had an amazing catch in that Super Bowl that people forget just because it, it didn't matter at the end of the day. And I've never been the biggest fan of him, not because I don't like him, but I mean, I've just never really had a reason to be a big fan of him. Right. Obviously, I don't hate him, but I, I think I don't really see them trading him just because he's had such a big impact on the team overall and kind of the culture too. I mean, him and Matt Ryan together, it'd be very weird to see Matt Ryan not passing to Julio Jones. Yeah, they go hand in hand. It's especially for people in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, we're up in the Northeast. We don't really care about that stuff. But for Atlanta fans, it would be pretty weird. Uh, bringing us into one of our last points with the next one. Uh, Banning, you can lead us into this, the award predictions. Oh. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, start off just with the MVP. We saw Ocho Cinco say that uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP. Um, he says a lot of things too, though. Yeah, he's always talking. He makes a lot of bets. But uh, it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP. I would say in any sport right now, Patrick Mahomes is probably the most dominant player in any of the leagues. Just because he's so good and 
it looks like he's not even trying and the offensive line got a lot better and that was the only thing in my opinion that they were bad at obviously their defense isn't at the top of the league but their defense can hold up so making the one uh part of the team that was bad making that better just uh, i don't think there's any opposition for them at this point yeah uh i'm on the same boat uh i think the only thing that would have stopped patrick mahomes from being the mvp favorite this year was if he won it last year yeah which is kind of crazy to say because we will just get bored same thing kind of like Giannis. yeah exactly but since rogers got it last year and mahomes is the best player in the league and there's nothing stopping him from playing like the best player in the league you got to pick him and it's way too early, and we'll see as more games are played. But going into the season, I, I, it's, unless Mahomes gets injured, I'm going to be saying Mahomes until the season starts and probably throughout the whole season. That's just how it is. When you're the best in your sport, you know people are going to respect you like that. Yeah. Another award, um, Comeback Player of the Year. We kind of talked about this a little bit before. Um, it'll be very interesting this year just because there's so many players that are coming back from an injury. And there's also a lot of older players too. I mean, we saw last year, obviously Alex Smith winning it, which he completely deserved coming off of that injury. Shout out to Alex Smith. A lot of the time. One of the craziest things. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. I mean, even a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, if he goes off this year, he could obviously win that just because he's kind of older. So this one's a lot harder to predict. He had a case for him last year, too. Yeah. I remember we were talking about that. That was a lot of our I still choices. think he's one of the, I would say, top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. And even with the offense regressing over the past couple years, just yeah. losing all their players. But in my opinion, I can't go against the boy this year. Um, I think Saquon Barkley is going to come back and have an amazing year. I think last year he would have been good. But, I mean, going into this year, he has a lot to prove. Obviously, he's not going to get cut from the team if he does bad. Yeah. But he's going out there, and I say he has a lot to prove just because the Giants team is very underrated at this point. A lot of people are saying they might win four games, which is crazy to me because they won uh, six games last year, and the team got a lot better. So I don't know how they'll go backwards. And there's more games on the schedule. But maybe that's just me. But I think Saquon Barkley, he has so much potential to be so good. And... I think he could definitely go out there and ball this year. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to get super deep into this. Mine's pretty standard. I like Dak. Came off a big injury. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I I think he performs well, and he gets the award. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, we had a note about Rodgers on here, and I think it's pretty obvious we both think the Packers will struggle without Rodgers, even though we don't like him, You know, even though it can move Jordan Love forward. But I think that's pretty standard. Uh, Last thing, we have a note... uh, are the Browns a contender? And I think a better question is who's one of those teams that, you know, is, you know, on that edge or hasn't really showed that playoff potential that we think, you know, will make it, you know, if, do you have another team in mind outside the Browns or because I, I mean, I said before, I was kind of big on the Dolphins. I'm still, I still think they'll do good this year. I think the Colts, that really depends on how well Carson Wentz plays. If Carson Wentz plays like an MVP, they could really go far. And I would say they would be up there with those contenders. I am I just don't see the Browns. A lot of people are saying the Browns Chiefs right now. I've seen that basically be a lock by most people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the NFL experts um, who also make those mock drafts. So I don't really believe yeah. anything they say. But I'm just... 
I'm not a huge believer in the Browns just because there's nothing really for me to believe in. People are saying Baker Mayfield is an amazing quarterback. He's this and that. He's average. I'll say that right now. Everyone was acting like he had 40 touchdowns last year. I'm pretty sure he had like 25 maybe. And obviously that's better than his rookie year. But I don't know. I'm just, I don't believe in Baker Mayfield like some other people do. So, yeah, I mean, while we're talking about bold predictions, I'm going to get straight to the point uh, about mine. I, Browns, you know, all right, I think they're going to do a little better than you think. But uh, my Super Bowl pick right now, we're super early. I'm not going to act like this is a lock. It could change by the next time we talk. And it's a team that's not who, I'm just going to, it's the Rams. Yeah, I, I like the Rams. And I talk about them a lot. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he will do his thing. And if he doesn't, I'll be super disappointed because I've been hyping him up a ton. I really think he goes to LA, he proves his stuff. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, uh, I was going to say best defensive player in the league. That's not true. He's not even the best on his own team. But that shows that two of my top three are on the same team. Yeah. You know, So I love that defense. Obviously, they have other players there that hold their weight, like Brockers, yeah. underrated. I mean, know? they have yeah. arguably the best, best interior team. Defensive lineman ever. It's they have the best cornerback in the league. I don't care what anyone else says about that. Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback yeah. in the league. And I think John Johnson's still there too, and he's, he's a great safety. Very yeah. underrated player. Yeah. Jonathan Johnson. The boy. Son of Jonathan Johnson. Yeah. yeah. But, anyways, I love that Rams team. So, while people are so focused on the Browns, uh, I think the Rams had a great offseason. People forget about it because they didn't have any draft picks. Yeah. I think yeah. the Rams, great team too. Ever since Stafford's been playing, I've always vouched for him. I always thought he was a good quarterback. It seemed like the past five years, everyone's saying he's awful, which I can understand where you're coming from because um, he's playing for a bad team, so that made him look bad. But, I mean, we've everyone's seen that clip of him breaking his arm and then going back out and then throwing the game-winning touchdown. Tore his whole shoulder. And, I mean, obviously yeah. that's a cool clip, but re- if you really think about it, that's... Yeah. He's, I mean, he's dedicated to the game. It's, and especially being there for that long in a team that is not making any effort to get better, having a head coach who was completely terrible, that was probably one of the worst head coaches. Patricia? Yeah, that yeah. he should not have been a head coach. I don't know. He's like, he went back to the Patriots and he's moved down a spot. Yeah, so I, I don't know how he... I understand why he got the job, but he shouldn't have been there for that long. And Matthew Stafford... Obviously went to Georgia, so I support yeah. him. But I still think he's been a great player. I honestly say he's one of the most underappreciated, just because underrated is everyone uses that word for everything. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's underappreciated. One of the most yeah. underappreciated quarterbacks, if not players, in NFL history. Yeah. Uh, on that note, I think we're pretty much ready to wrap it up. I yeah. said, yeah. So... Yeah, I felt good about the episode. Uh, we're just going to keep things rolling. We always say that, but, you know, things are going good with the podcast right now. Hopefully, we get Cam back in here soon, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, so follow our Instagram at the underscore nosebleeds underscore podcast. And uh, check us out. Uh, keep listening. We uh, Shout out to our heavy listeners. Uh, shout out the boy Nick if you're listening this far. And... Yeah, we're going to call it right there. Yep. Put an M right on your head, you Luigi brother now. Shout out J. Cole. Uh, Always bleeds out. Mambo.